This podcast is a production of Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska, a place where real people meet a real God to live in a real world. For more information, check out our website at communitycovenant.net. Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. In the the year that, that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty, The earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among people, a, a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard a voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. And from Acts 1.8 But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Good morning. I am Pastor Erica, and I am the pastor of prayer and mission outreach here at Community Covenant. And this, uh, over the next few weeks, we are in a series called Exponential. The whole church on the whole mission for the whole world. And in that, we are looking at different ways in which being a Christian being a follower of Christ invites us into a place of looking beyond ourselves and, and spreading the kingdom of God in the, in the places that we live, in the places in, that we work, and then also in the places outside throughout the world. One of the ways that we're, um, that we're kind of taking this to the next level is Wednesday nights. I'm going to have you guys do this. I had you do it last week. I'm going to have you do it again. Look at your worship guide, and there is a card in your worship guide. And one of the things that we are doing as a church is we are, sh- are showing documentaries that are giving opportunity to expose ourselves to things and ways in which there is hurt and brokenness in the world and some of the ways in which ministries are coming alongside people to help them find healing and wholeness in the midst of that. And this week, our um, featured documentary is going to be one from Alaska Correctional Ministries. And I actually have a trailer for that, so I'm going to ask you guys to watch this really quickly. Crack cocaine was the first thing that I started using, and it grabbed a hold of me like, um, like a rattlesnake. The hurt got so deep that I started really getting into internet pornography. Just got messed up. Uh, just days, just days of using where you just don't sleep. Alcohol was just the only goal I had. And I popped the knife out as she's got a hold of my hair, punching my face. And you hear sirens coming from it everywhere. I was so scared. So I started to shoplift. I learned how to shoplift and that became more of an addiction 
probably the only drugs and alcohol ever did. I would drink until I feel high and sometimes I never knew I passed out because I overdrank. I wanted to die. There was no hope. I'd screwed my life up. I'd hurt my family. I always thought if, if there was a God, uh, he has to hate me. The movie this Wednesday will be about 20 minutes long. We will have a panel discussion that will also feature some of the people that were interviewed um, for this video. I have found being involved with Alaska Correctional Ministries and specifically being involved with the Transformational Living Community to be one of the deepest spiritually transforming things that I have ever done. And I would strongly encourage you, if there is any way that you can make one hour of your time this week to come and watch this video and listen to the way that God is changing the lives of men and women in this state, please be here this Wednesday. Now, another thing that came out of me being involved at Highland, um, which is, by the way, for those of you who don't know, right across the highway. It is the only women's um, prison facility that we have in the state of Alaska. And at any point in time, there is somewhere between 400 and 450 women incarcerated in that facility. Just down the road in Palmer, there is there are two facilities that have probably close to 1,500 men who are incarcerated who desperately need Jesus. And there are a lot of faithful volunteers who go every week and enter into relationship with these people. They mentor. They do Bible study. They um, bring them into a place of faith and comfort and understanding and a relationship But what happened to me probably about a year ago was some of those people that I had built relationships with started to get out. And I started to realize that their ability to make it, really to make it, which means get a job, get a place to live, get um, maybe an education, be reunited with their family, is really stunted by their incarceration by their record they get they hit a brick wall and in some ways we've started to call it the second sentence 75% of felons in their first year of being released from prison are unemployed not because they don't want to get a job but because they can't get a job And a lot of our our friends here at Community Covenant step into places of being mentors with, um, with both men and women in the prison ministry. But what they were finding was that when they were getting out, they couldn't do very much to help. They felt like... There's so many things that they need help with. I have no idea even where to start, how to help to navigate through this system. And so we started to have these conversations. And I had a God call. You guys ever had a God call? You know, where either your phone rings or or, or somebody rings you. 
and you it's in that moment where things are just kind of stirring inside of you and you're thinking, ah, you know, this is never going to get fixed. What are we going to do? Lord, help. And the phone rings. And this phone call happened to be from my mother. Which those of you who know me could probably laugh at the irony of that. But my mom and I started, my mother had gotten involved um, in, uh, in prison ministry down in Texas. And so we were talking about this and we were sharing our frustrations. She, she said, have you ever heard of an organization called the Open Table? I said, nah, no, I don't know what that is. And she said, well, you need to look it up. And uh, we are getting involved in this thing here in, in my church. And I really do think that you should, that you should check it out. So... Um, Unlike I usually do when my mother tells me I should do something. I actually got on the computer and checked it out. And um, what I found was an organization that was doing exactly what my heart and what the heart of many mentors and volunteers were crying out for. Lord, help us to figure out how to bridge from inside to outside. Bring us help so that we can come around these men and women that are reentering into society in a way that is redemptive, that is Christ-centered, and that it builds them up and restores them back, not only to their families, not only to God, but to the community. And it empowers and it calls to the body of Christ, to the church, to step into the place that in a lot of ways we have led, we have left to government agencies. To stand up and be the hands and feet, to be able to use the resources, the networks, the intellectual power that we have to be able to come alongside. So I made, I sent an email and I made a phone call. And very quickly I got a response. And um, that was in June, of, so last summer. And um, what the Lord has done with that is he has brought some very amazing people alongside me and several other people in this church who have stepped into this ministry. And so today I want to introduce um, Howard and Dina Wilhite. And uh, they are my friends from Houston, Texas. And Dina... Um, has been uh, a gift uh, to me and to um, several people um, who have been a part of this process. I'm losing my mic here. Um, Dina has uh, is a, a national leader for oh, for the Open Table movement and has been our coach through the process as we've started. Um, we launched our first table. Um, officially back in January, and um, there are 10 people that are part of this congregation that are, that are involved in that. And then we have another, uh, another table which has six people that are involved with it as well that are walking with two, um, two women currently that have been released from, from Highland. But I um, wanted to ask Dina and Howard to be here um, just so that you can kind of share with us your story and how it is that you got involved in Open Table. Okay. 
Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. First of all, thank you all for the hospitality. It's been an uh, amazing experience to be in your state. It's our first time, both of, our, both of us, first time to Alaska. And uh, coming from a proud state, uh, a large state. But a smaller state. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a larger population state. And, uh, <laughs> Uh, no, it has been just an amazing journey. Um, our, the way we got involved in Open Table uh, is really uh, no different than any other person getting involved in any mission. Uh, we wanted to serve in some capacity, and we had served in our church in the typical ways. Uh, I had uh, taught children's stu- Bible studies. Um, we had served in uh, a video reproduction team uh, for our church. And uh, they were very, um, you know, seasonal. And uh, at the time uh, we heard about Open Table, I wasn't currently serving in any specific one role. And so I thought, well, you know what, I'm going to check this out because I've never heard of the concept of relational ministry. And when I say that, I want to expound upon that. I I didn't understand what do you mean by relational ministry. And they had to define transactional ministry for me to understand that. And that really pricked um, our hearts when we come to understand that the body of Christ has become really, really good at transactional ministry, meaning toy drives, food drives, clothing drives, uh, women's weekend seminars or men's um, groups for a time period. And it is a transaction. It's very easy for me to clean out my closet. Well, not really, but it, 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 it doesn't take long, I should say, for me to clean out my closet and, and, and bag that up. And we need those things. We need all of those things. But when I heard about Open Table and that it was a lifestyle of missions, it was a, a mission that didn't require a tangible item. It required my knowledge. It required my time. And it required my heart. Now, I was good with the knowledge because I'm kind of one of those people that I love to tell you about anything I know. And then the time wasn't that difficult because I figured I could work in a couple of hours here and there. So I go and I didn't really talk about with myself what would happen in a relational ministry because I wasn't familiar with it. Never been involved in something like this. So I decided to... um, participate on a table. Our church was in the same movement of discipleship and relationship, and uh, they felt that this was an excellent mission. And so that's kind of how we got involved. I just attended an information meeting. Uh, There wasn't a whole lot of requirement. I didn't have to be a specialist in anything. I didn't have to have a higher education. Um, I just needed to be able to say, here, Lord, send me. I'll I'll go. Um, And we were kind of um, at a season in our Christianity where we were growing and we were wanting to grow and we were wanting to draw closer to God. And so without realizing how close we would draw to God, um, transformation began. And um, Howard, you can talk about kind of how he got involved in the sideways. With, uh, with Dina's being in this mission, I saw a change in her, change in attitudes, change in perceptions. And then we were also got new relationships, new relationships in our church. We're from a fairly large church where, you know, you go in, you see somebody, you shake their hand on Sunday, and then on the way out, you're like, hey, see you next Sunday. But you don't really know them. But 
during this process, we made new friendships, new relationships, not just with the sister that we were helping, but also with, with new people in our church and new relationships that have come to mean a whole lot to us. But then also through this, I became aware of the fact that we had insulated ourselves, mm-hmm. insulated ourselves from whole groups of people who didn't need us to just hand them something. They needed us to pull up next to them and support them through their transition. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how we got involved with it. Okay. It's kind of a chance. So can you tell me a little bit more about um, how it is that, what, what, did, what did working on the table look like? Okay. Um, it was different in the sense that uh, I'd never been a part of um, a type of mission that met someone where they were and stayed there with them. We've met people where they are all over the world, and we need that. But this was in my backyard. What, what got me really with this mission was I was very ignorant to poverty. I'll be the first one to say I'm just like every other Christian in our church and in churches across America where, yeah, I can give to that, no problem. Let me write you a check. Here, you go take the supplies, and I'm glad that you are. But when I got involved, I realized that working in this environment brought about a spirit of service that I'd never um, <clears throat> excuse me, been able to wrap my, my head around. It was coming together. It was a weekly thing. We worked on goals and projects. But more importantly, relationships developed. You're, you're meeting a person who is broken. We're all broken people, but these folks have been broken to a point to where they can't live in our societies. They can't feed their children. They're smart. They're, they're, they want out of this cycle. But they don't know how to get out because we've taught them how to stay in. And to Howard's point, we don't go there. We, we, if we go, we visit and drop something off, but we don't go and stay. And so working with the open table really brought about this um, dedication to serving Christ, not people. We were serving Christ. We weren't um, in, a, in an environment where we were preaching to one another. We were loving on these people. When they made a mistake, we didn't leave them. When they didn't know what to do, we didn't look at them like they were ignorant. How could you not figure out that you should, you know, go on green and stop on red? They do not have that skill. And so coming into um, this mission from afar, if you look above it, we were actually really just pouring into the lives of others. But what took place, even greater than that, was we were pouring into the lives of each other. And uh, uniting, as Howard mentioned, meeting people that we had gone to our church longer than we have. We've been members almost nine years there that are heavily involved in missions as well. We never knew them. Um, So the work itself wasn't difficult. It was interesting and captivating. And to see another person kind of respond to that love of Christ They may not know what they're responding to, but the response itself was saying, this is what you should be doing uh, for us. Personal relationship. We all know that we are to have a personal relationship with Christ. That's what um, 
brings about our transformations and, and uh, spiritual growth. This was a little bit bigger in a sense of we are relationally poor. They are not just poor from money. They are not just poor from circumstance, but they're relationally poor. They do not have a network. They don't have a Rolodex to call. They don't have a couch to go sleep on when their lease is up and they haven't found a place. Those are things that we all have. And, I, and, and to look at that, I thought, wow, you know, we've got to find a way to bridge that gap. And, and the organization uh, had that been founded about four years uh, prior to us coming into it really uh, supported the behavioral aspects of that. So you, you were able to not only work in this environment, but be educated on how to work in this environment. And so I found that very relatable. Mm-hmm. Is, it, is, it, is that would you say? Yeah. Okay. So um, as you've been involved in this last, how many years have you been? Almost three years. Okay. And so as you've been involved in this, what kind of changes have you seen um, in your own life, in your own relationship with Christ, in your own relation, in your marriage? Oh. Um, I'm going to steal this one first. <laughs> I don't, know, I don't know how many of you have had one of those moments where God stumped you on the head. <clears throat> I had one of those. He says, hey, you know, you're not part of the solution. You're part of the problem. He said, uh, I've forgiven you your sins over and over and over again as we all have problems. And, and God comes in and just gives us a second chance. But you're not giving these people a second chance. I was in a position in my company to hire people, and if we got an application in and it had someone with a criminal background on it, you know, it automatically went in the trash can. It was an unspoken rule, and so God's like, wake up, dude. These people need a chance, too. So, uh, you know, I went to my boss a couple of times and said, hey, you know, these people need a second chance. This guy, he's had a little problem, but he's trying to turn his life around. We need to give him a chance. And that has now become the norm. We do not let a criminal background be an automatic X. Mm-hmm. We, we are hiring people that have these backgrounds because they need help mm-hmm. and they need a way up and they need a way out. Mm-hmm. And unless we're helping them, no one else will. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the things that <clears throat> took place with us was the transformational moments that come about. I, I could be here, you know, until somebody decided to start barbecuing. But it's to tell you about all these moments. But for us, watching another human being who has had everyone abandon them, everyone eventually turn their back on them, and possibly because of what they've done, actually breathe in the love of Christ from a complete stranger. They didn't know us. We didn't know them. We got to know them. But to breathe in that love of Christ and to see that little, that little tinge of dead eyes turn with just a little light in them to be able to start to see that they could have hope, that their lives could change, that somebody out there does care, and that somebody doesn't just care, but they're willing to come into my world and understand it. I had no concept of what it meant to walk in our society with society against you. 
That is a different world. We do not know that. I'm willing to say, you guys do not know that. We did not know that. And to open your heart to say, let me just breathe through this moment and be the hands and feet of Christ. God work through me and allow me to just be there for someone. It didn't require a lot of stuff. This wasn't difficult in the sense of tangible items or anything. But then the relationship started to develop. And the transformation started to come. That's when living a missional life became an awareness to us. Um, It really opened up our eyes. Because I was a person who, you knew me, you probably liked me. There might be a couple of people, but most people probably like me. I'm, I'm, I like you, Dana. I'm out there. I, I, I don't meet a stranger. I felt I was an open book. I could tell anybody about Christ. You know, I tell anybody you're a child of God. But hold up. Don't get in my world. Wait a second. No, no, no. You stay right there, and I'm going to love on you like this. And you're going to think you know me, but you don't. You don't know my pain. And God said, relationship's a two-way street. And I thought, uh-oh. <laughs> I have to open my heart. And so I, I just took the leap of faith holding God's hand and said, you know what? Open my heart. I, I don't want to be closed anymore. Open my heart. And so <clears throat> the first table that I was working on Excuse me, the first table I was working on was a young lady, and uh, I was helping her in an area of her finances, and I wouldn't even let her come to my house. I mean, I would, like, meet her at the grocery store cafe, you know, just, just stay there, and, and I'm going to just, just love on you, and I'm just a great Christian, and I'm here to help. And uh, I realized, you know what, I'm not letting her in. How is she going to trust me if I don't let her in? And so that's where transformation started for us. And that's where it really started to impact our lives, our spiritual growth, uh, drawing close to the Lord. In our marriage, uh, we grew stronger. I was able to open up more to my husband, which I thought, you know, I was an open book with. Um, And then comes the transformational moments, not within yourself, but that you see live with another person. You are walking with this person in their life, and you see them change. I don't know if anyone has ever had a child that was troubled that come out of that trouble. And they're your, they're your baby. They're your child. And they made it through. Or they made the good friend that they wanted. Or they passed the test. Or they got into the college that they dreamed of. And you were so proud of them. You just, you, you just were overflowing with that joy. It was that overflowing feeling. And that's what happened. For example, there are so many transformational moments that I could tell you about. But here's one that just... I will have for the rest of my life because I said, okay, God, use me. That's all I did. Nothing special, nobody special, no big education, no lot of a a, a seminary experience. So we entered into this relationship. We went through the table process. During this time, our sister um, had learned she was pregnant. Um, This was her third child. She, on her own, knew that this was a a vessel. She was a vessel to... um, to hand this child uh, to another couple, she was going to uh, give her child up for adoption. Now, 
I don't know about you guys, and, and I know there's a lot of struggle with um, fertility, infertility, adoption, these things in the world. Um, I've never had children of my own. God graced me with the ability of giving me two through Howard that I didn't have to raise. <laughs> he did a really good job. They came to me like sound, and I was like, hey, you know, this is good. Um, but our sister, she had had a child. She um, had given her first child up for adoption. She kept her second child. And she always wanted a third child, but she knew, she knew that it wasn't for her. We go through the pregnancy. We're going through the table process. We have relationships on the table. She has friends now. She has healthy relationships. And it comes time to have the child. And she says, I want you in the labor and delivery room with me. Yay. (laughs) Now, I had seen children born before, so I was excited because there is no other event. Um, that can compare to a birth of the child. There is nothing like a birth. And that's what this transformational moment was like. Nothing else. After two days of labor, with no success, we ended up in the OR. Because it was an adoption, I was given the security to the child. No one else could, you know, be around the child or, or be with the child. So we were in the OR. She's, you know, got the blanket up and the little hairnet on and tears in her eyes. She's never had an operation before in her life, never been cut on. And she said to me, she says, I just want you to pray over him. Will you pray over him? And I said, of course. Of course I'll pray over him. So, you know, they, they, they do the cesarean. Out comes this perfect little baby, the most beautiful thing you've ever seen, like they all are. They clean him up, and they hand me this child. And I'm sitting here thinking to myself, what if I would have said no? What if I would have said, you know, let me write a check. How can I fund you? And I sat there, and this big old eyes just looked at me. And he's like, oh, my God, where am I? (laughs) (laughs) And I was able to just sit there very quietly, and I just prayed over this child. And the Lord moved me in a prayer that I could have never said on my own. And then they said, okay, we got to go. And they put him in the little carrier. And they said, you have to go with us. And I turned and I looked at the OR. And even though the doctors were sewing her up, I promise you as I'm sitting here today, they were looking at me like, what just happened here? It wasn't that I was able to pray over this child. God had provided a divine appointment for someone maybe who didn't even know Christ. Surgeons, nurses, everyone to see this action. So we go, and we go up the elevator, and we get out, and we're going to the, to the nursery where they're going to put him, and we turn the corner, and there stood his parents. They had just landed at Intercontinental. They'd just gotten there, just gotten off the elevator, and they just... <gasps> and God gave me the opportunity to hand a child to their parents. What if I would have said... Yeah, maybe next year. Things like that happen in this mission because you were in a relationship with somebody. And that's what's been the transformation. It's become our addiction. I mean, I'm traveling to Alaska to talk about it. And, you know, I live near the border of Mexico. I, you know, warmth is something we like. I have, like, hot rocks, you know, that I just lay on. So we get Of course, of course I was going to have you come up here in February. Yeah. But. Yeah, God help me out with that one. Um, so for, for, for me, it was something that I couldn't deny 
was real. This was real, life-changing, missional work. It didn't stop after Sunday when we dropped off the beans and rice. It didn't stop after Christmas when the toys were all delivered. It continued. And um, the Lord just uh, really impressed upon us and our church that uh, relationship, discipleship, um, and... um, Drawing near to the Lord was something that this is an excellent tool to, to, to use. Okay. So how is it that um, we can hear more about this? Well, just so happens, today after church, we are going to have an informational meeting. Um, in that, uh, we will talk about kind of the details of how the open table works and um, also how you can become involved. There are many ways you can become involved. If you're a little hesitant, um, you, there's administration support that you can give. There is um, coaching that the, the tables will train you to help others. You can participate on tables. You can participate organization tables. You can participate in developing it in your community. That sounds all really big, but it's not. It's just about saying, hey, let's try this. All right. And just so that you know, um, if you come to the informational meeting, no one's going to make you sign anything. That's right. <laughs> You're not signing up for the rest of your life. Um, but if this is something that has even slightly piqued your curiosity, I would encourage you to come to one of the meetings. We have one after the 11 o'clock service and then one after the 5 o'clock service. And the information is in the worship guide if you're interested in that. Mm-hmm. But thank you, Dina and Howard, thank for being here. Thank you guys here. for having us. Thank you. And I'm, gonna just, I'm just going to pray um, a prayer for all of us um, as, we, as we move into the, to the response time of the service. Father, um, it was very clear with Isaiah, Lord, that mm-hmm. in your presence he could not say anything but here I am, Lord. Send me. Lord, and as you left your disciples in that upper room, you said to them, I want you to go out. I want you to go to the places you live. I want you to go to the places that you know and the places that you don't know. And I want you to spread the knowledge of who I am and what I have done for you. Lord, each one of us, if we say yes to you, we have a call to life and mission, and I pray, Lord, that whether it's open table or it's serving in a soup kitchen or it's being a part of a ministry that's going on within this church, Lord, that our hearts would say to you, yes, Lord, here I am. Strong and loud, Lord, hear that from us today. In Christ's name, amen.